Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is a podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we are sitting down with Representative Mark Ticano from California's 41st District. So grab your timesheet. And let's get civical. I think the greatest challenge for our age, for this generation of, of Americans, is to stand up for liberal democracy yeah. and liberal democratic ideals yeah. against authoritarian uh, impulses. And Xi Jinping has made himself president for life of China. He fears any sort of dissension mm-hmm. uh, within his country. He thinks any dissent is going to weaken them and they're going to lose progress. And so he's really clamping down hard on Hong Kong. Mm. He's going to do the same to Taiwan. Yeah, right. And he would love to flip and weaken American projection of power. And by power, I mean the power of our ideals. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we stand up for being able to dissent. I mean, if you go on my, my Facebook page, I have all these trolls who are allowed to say anything they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But Xi Jinping has just banned Winnie the Pooh. Right. Well, uh, really? well, yeah, because he's very well, controversial. Well, <laughs> he doesn't because because you know what? Many of his critics have made fun of him, mm-hmm. and of course, in a democracy, we don't have a king where you can't you know you you're not allowed to make fun of the king, right? Right. Well, Xi Jinping, he's kind of you know you're powerful and you kind of like okay, kings well, they can get a little. Don't take care of yourself. He's we kind of looking know. like Winnie the Pooh. We've all been a king, yeah. and so the one of his ways his detractors try to criticize him is wow. like. They were they kind of code talk like Winnie the Pooh. They call him Winnie the Pooh. Mm. So guess what? He's banned Winnie the Pooh in China. <laughs> no, that's nuts. Well, I mean, we're starting this off with a fun, fun <laughs> fact. <laughs> so I'm I would never have thought that being chairman of the Veterans Affairs Committee right. would take me into see, but but you see, like providing, making sure that these veterans yeah. have yeah. access to health care. Absolutely, yeah. there's not a medical center where they're near. They got to fly oh, wow. long distances. So I got to figure out a way so that they don't have to fly nine hours back to Hawaii yeah. to Honolulu right. yeah. to our joint facility there. If we just show them right. that we pay attention to them, yeah. that we're not just suddenly, no, we look bad because we've neglected them and we're just now paying attention now that two island chains have right. left their allegiances. You don't want to be seen as, pan- not you, but the United States, United States doesn't want to be seen as yeah, pandering to yeah. them. Yeah, we have a long history of their, um, you know, fighting the Japanese during World War II. Mm-hmm. And bringing about a sense of like liberal democratic values right so our imprint that's also a big theme for next year 
which will be the 75th anniversary of the ending of World War II. Oh, wow. I don't know. And, you know, that war was a large part liberal democratic ideals fighting yeah. against absolutism, yep. against tyranny, against imperialist Japan, Nazi Germany, yep. fascist Italy. We have this imprint on the Japanese constitution. All the most liberal and very liberal democratic people went to Japan, wrote that constitution, included a provision on equality of the sexes, which does not even exist in, America, oh, wow. in the American We can't even get that. Right. <laughs> love get that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And these very same people, this the same people kind of wrote the Fair Labor Standards Act. Oh, wow. Right? I mean, the, the same, you know, the New Deal people. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right. You know. Amazing. Which is a great segue. It's a great segue. <laughs> okay. You're doing, yeah. you're doing so great. <laughs> that was the best segue into the Fair Labor Standards Act. Let me just say, hey, everybody, this is Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Walentowski. And today is truly one of the most special days in our podcast life. We have Congressman Mark Takano from California. He is the chairman of the Veterans Affairs Committee. He is a former teacher and he is self-proclaimed, not self-proclaimed, but he's <laughs> the first Gaysian of Congress, which is a cute word for gay Asian. <laughs> we love that. We love Welcome, that. Congressman. How are you? Actually, uh, former Congressman, now Governor of Colorado, Jared Polis, probably was the first to officially call me that. He says, oh, that's okay. Oh, to, oh, let's quote, I'm going to yeah. call you a Gaysian. Is that okay? Mm. And I said, that's fine. And, uh, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I'm cool with it. Yeah. Hashtag um, Gaysian. It is yeah. the first, you are the first person who's ever said that to me. I've never heard that before. Gaysian. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. I think it should catch on. It's tr hashtag Gaysian. Guys, tweet at us. <laughs> and I always joke around to say that I'm working on a book in progress called Memoirs of a Gaysian in Congress. Oh my God. Uh -huh. Oh my God. We love That's that. so good. If you we need a ghostwriter, I'm happy. <laughs> we so will. Amazing. Guys, look out for this book because I'm so <laughs> excited. You need a good title. I'm all about titles. Really? I feel that's one of my biggest things on this podcast is like, document titles, building names, they're just kind of boring most of the time. <laughs> and they just basically say what the thing does, which is cute. I get it. I understand. But to like memoirs of a Gaysian, yeah. genius. genius. Yeah. <laughs> we simply love. <laughs> but today we're going to talk about the Fair Labor Standards Act and the Overtime Pay Act, the Restoring the Overtime Pay Act that you are yes. currently yes. working on, which are two really important things that I feel like I somebody who I would describe myself as a well-informed, intelligent person who's like keeping up. I've never heard about this, yes. which is crazy because it's, it's literally it, about if we're getting paid or not. Yeah, so it, overtime, overtime pay kind of seems, I mean, I don't know. People understand minimum wage. Right, right? Yeah, right. But overtime pay is a little more complicated. But I think the thing I want to do, accomplish on this, this podcast yeah, yeah. is the idea that I want people to begin to understand how the two are linked. Yeah. How overtime pay helps support or actually keeps solid the idea of a minimum wage. That the minimum right. wage is really hard to establish. It's hard to get it people to it's hard to get the government to raise it. There's always arguments against it. But once we get it, we have to understand that actually to protect the minimum wage, we need strong overtime mm -hmm. protections as well. Mm -hmm. And the Fair Labor Standard Act, when it was established, Roosevelt and Francis Perkins, his labor secretary, had a deep understanding of how business interests, uh, and not all business people are bad. A lot of business people have good intentions, but 
unless everybody is playing by the same rules, good business people cannot survive in the market because they are undermined by unfair competition. Mm-hmm. Right. And people who break the rules, or when there are no rules, they just will go to the lowest common denominator. Right. So the idea of a minimum wage, by the way, was consistently attacked by a very conservative Supreme Court. So I know that many of your listeners may be like in despair over our Supreme Court. Yeah. But I want to just also give people hope to know that with the right person in the White House, with the political branches in the right hands, that 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 and that's what happened with, with Roosevelt in the midst of fighting the the depression, that Roosevelt, when he became president and a strongly democratic Congress, they were able to even push back against a court that mm. wanted to undermine what they were doing. Right, right. So, Very aggressively. Yeah. So let's get to the, the minimum wage. So the Fair Labor Standards Act establishes the ability of Congress, the federal government, to set a federal minimum wage. And of mm-hmm. course, the states can exceed that. Right. But there was also, you know, the way you get around a minimum wage is to say, you're now a manager. You're now an executive. Mm. And therefore, we can require of you to work more than 40 hours a week and not get paid for it, mm-hmm. right? right? And the assumption is, is that as an executive, you're going to be paid significantly more money. Right. And therefore, you know, the minimum wage, you should be exempted we from the minimum wage. We want more from you then, yeah. Right? So along with, the, along, with, along with this idea of exemptions is you have to have a duties test. Mm. And that's a whole other separate issue, which... I don't want to spend too much time on, but you can see how, you know, you'd want to be able to distinguish, well, what makes a manager a manager, an executive an executive? Obviously, you'd have to have different kinds of duties. You wouldn't, you couldn't just call someone a manager. And this happens, say, at a fast food restaurant where someone who's in charge of managing that fast food restaurant, who's, who's a manager... They have a. They don't have enough employees, whatever, and they end up actually working the cash register. They have to let all of their wage employees go home, and they're actually mopping the floors in the right. bathroom. Doing they're actually wage work. They're actually doing wage work, right? Yeah. And these managers don't make a whole lot of money necessarily, but they could end up working, you know, fifty, sixty hours a week, yeah. and not being actually paid that because they're called a manager. Right. So I think these kind of examples kind of make clear. What's at at stake here? Absolutely. So here's the thing. The way that the FSLA is, not the F, I always get that wrong. The Fair Labor, not FSLA, FLSA. FLSA. The Fair Labor Standards (laughs) Act. Fair Labor Standards Act. How it's structured is that they set up a duties test. They also set up a salary threshold. So the the higher the salary threshold, the the more salaried workers are eligible for overtime pay, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're making $25,000 a year as a minimum salary mm-hmm. per year, uh, what the law says is that that's a threshold. You're able to, that you are protected by the overtime pay law right. and that you must, the, the employer, if they keep you more than uh, 40 hours a week, they have to pay you time and a half. Right. Just before this new implementation of a new salary threshold by the Trump administration, the salary threshold was set at $23,000 a year. Wow. That's not a lot of money. Mm -mm. Which means it's really impactful and important for the people who are at that level to make their overtime pay. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Because that's how they will make Make their their money. Yeah. That's right. So 
about so what does that mean about seven per, so we're talking about so there's wage workers yeah. and salaried workers yeah mm-hmm. so at $23,000 a year about 7% 7 to 8% of the salaried workforce is protected mm-hmm. so back in 1975 I want you to know the salary threshold was set at a, at a level that protected 60%. Wow. That's crazy. Right? So <laughs> in 1975, if you were a salaried worker, you had a 60% chance of being protected by the law. So six out of 10 wow. mm-hmm. people were earning overtime pay or had a right to earn overtime pay. Wow. And if you don't get, if, you, if, uh, and if the employer doesn't want to pay that, they let you go home. And that means more time with your family, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, with your kids, or it means you can get a second job, right? Right, exactly, and earn more money, right? Rather than being forced to work another ten, twenty hours uncompensated, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, because so, that's what it is. It's uncompensation, <clears throat> right? Like there's okay. no way you're getting paid for it. So the protection has atrophied from 1975 to today. We go from sixty percent are protected to seven percent. Are protected. Okay? Wow. So, what President Obama and his labor secretary tried to do during his eight years, and they actually did it, but too late in his term, too late in the second term, mm. is that they attempted to protect closer to, I think, 30%. 30%. They couldn't get to 60 because, uh, in order to get to 60, they would have had to raise the salary threshold to close to $58,000. Oh, wow. So we go. We would have to go from twenty three to like fifty eight thousand. Right, that's a big and, jump. And, th- and this is in 20, 2020, the year, mm-hmm. by the year of twenty twenty. That's quite a jump. Mm-hmm. Too much of a shock. So he opted to go for an overtime pay rule that would reach fifty one thousand, and that would more than double. Yeah, we go. We would go from seven to eight percent to like thirty percent. Right, that's a big. That's, that's a, a big, big jump. deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, what happened? is there was an election, Trump wins the election, or he won the electoral college, let's put it that way. Yeah. And his labor secretary took over. There was a lawsuit in a very conservative sort of jurisdiction in Texas, which had overturned the Obama rule. It's my home state. (laughs) God bless it. (laughs) Really wish it would stop messing around. (laughs) Well, Texas actually is the hope for our future. I mean, oh, why do you say that? Well, because uh, we, I love it. Why do you the Democrats, that? I think, netted two additional congressional districts. True. Lizzie, Lizzie Fletcher and um, Colin Allred won uh, against Republicans. And we had several other people come really close. Yeah. yeah. And the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee is actually contesting more seats. We've got Gina Ortiz-Jones. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a better O'Rourke almost. Uh, I know. Yeah. To, yeah, that was very so, exciting. There's even talk that Texas may become a purple state. Yeah. yeah. And if Texas's electoral college votes it's big. start becoming to be possibly for Democrats to win, yep. it's going to change the political landscape of our country. All right. It's, it, so Texas is a progressive hope. And actually, I can remember when my own congressional district was like Texas. It was mm. kind of like mm. there is going to be a moment of reckoning when the Latino vote awakes mm-hmm. yeah. and this president has done everything he can to insult and denigrate very good hard-working people in our right. country yeah. and he may have awakened the state of texas to become a progressive state so 
Don't the live, Look, live hide, in. Lizzie. You're giving me hope. I'm smiling. No, you can't see, but I'm beaming. I want this. I want this for Texas. I do love. We it. all want it for Texas. We all want Texas. If you're listening, we love you. Uh, you can do this. And then there's a new meaning. Don't mess with Texas. Don't mess with yeah. Texas. Yeah. I love it. You heard it here first. Anyway, so back, but yeah. back so to conservative court back case. to what happened yeah. in Texas. The yes. court invalidated the rule and said that the labor secretary did not have the authority to do this to actually to set the, the thresholds, the, the, the thresholds for the salaried workers to give them the right, uh, to set the right at which they would have, the level at which they would have the right to earn overtime pay. The new labor secretary was half, half okay, but mostly bad, mm-hmm. Secretary Acosta. Mm-hmm. He said he went to court, he didn't appeal the decision, and res- if he was a good labor secretary, he would have appealed, he would have appealed the yes. decision fully and said, the rule is good. I'm cool with it. Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. Let's at least get half of our salaried workforce protected. Right. right. As compared to the 1975 levels. Right. We've let this law, we've let the rule atrophy. Okay. And if he would have followed Donald Trump's pronouncements in Donald Trump's inauguration speech where he said he was going to help ordinary remember that line? yeah 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 he mm-hmm. said i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna help i'm gonna drain the swamp help yeah. or, or ordinary working people all right ordinary working people to me are people who need protections mm-hmm. yeah for overtime pay and he could have he could have for millions of people increased their uh, their their ability to earn more pay right by by at least keeping the obama rule but maybe who knows this president doesn't he wants to undo everything Obama did, or there's some strange complex going on with him? <laughs> they don't do that. So, well, so what Acosta says, he says, no court, you know, federal district court, you're wrong. Um, I do have the authority, so he fought for that. But he says, but I'm going to use my authority in a less effective way. I'm going to only protect 14 percent or 15 percent of the workforce, not 30. So yeah, because that's ridiculous. Right. Right. So 30. the Obama the Obama rule would have protected like a hundred percent more right. than Trump did. Mm-hmm. Trump only wants to do like you know, you know, twenty five percent. And so that's my beef. I my bill, yeah. my bill basically would equal what Obama did. Mm-hmm. Would say let's go with what Obama tried to do in his rule. Right. Let's make it possible for us to not go 30, 40 years without raising the threshold. Let's, so we don't shock the system by going from like $23,000 a year of, of a salary to 58,000. Let's kind of gradually, every so often, yeah. raise the threshold. Yeah. So we can keep it at 60% of our salary workforce is protected. Look, so people think that, that technology is the main reason why there's this disparity in salaries. So that's what a lot of people will argue. Mm. But there's a strong argument to be made that income inequality has been becoming a problem in our country because we failed to enforce very basic pieces of law, right? Such as the Fair Labor Standards Act. Yeah, we've just not been enforcing it. Yeah, and so it's great that we're. It's great that that we're moving toward, a, I mean, hopefully moving toward a minimum wage. Congress, this Congress. Yeah, they passed 15 an hour, right? We did. Yeah, we did. You guys, we well, did. Thank you. We thank did. You. And Majority Leader McConnell is 
not allowing a vote on it. That yep. is so unlike him. Are you shocked? He <laughs> just is always shocked? voting. Uh, what is he doing? Uh, he just never stops voting. Honestly. <laughs> Hope he's well. He just... Won't bring it to a vote? He doesn't want to bring it to a vote. It's so interesting. Yeah. It's a top, like a vulture, you know, yeah. waiting for things to die. It's a great, Im- yeah. that's a great image. I see him. Wow. There he is. Yeah, so it's, it's so, it the 15 minimum wage is actually, it's not law yet. It's not law yet. No. It's, it's law in some states. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it'd be great if, New York, we, yeah. if we made it across the country. Right, because yeah. 725 is insane. No, it's insane. That's Even fifteen dollars an hour is not a livable wage. Right. No. Right. Parts. And not people anymore. are having to live off of seven twenty-five in a handful of states. A handful of states. Fifteen dollars an hour would have, you know, when they first started talking about it ten, fifteen years ago, fifteen dollars an hour could have possibly been yes a livable wage then. But yes. now we're at a time just keeping up with inflation. It's. I mean, it would be a minimum wage. Isn't like thirty bucks would be. Like a, a minimum wage that would be like, according to inflation, like a livable wage. So talking about a living wage in some quarters is the object of derision. Mm-hmm. And we become like silly, stupid liberals for advocating for a higher minimum wage <laughs> because they say it's going to ruin the economy. You know, you're going to like ruin the economy. And the same thing was said of President Roosevelt. Mm. Like, yeah. You know. You know, trying to get a minimum wage of like eleven cents an hour back in the day when executives were making a thousand dollars a day. Right. I mean, right. It's like it's just don't he what he basically said is don't tell me that <laughs> raising the minimum wage to eleven cents an hour in our country is gonna right. ruin the country and ruin our economy. I mean, he knew that pro- the par- the problem with the depression was a problem of demand mm-hmm. and a pro- right. economic demand mm-hmm. yep. that you needed to get more money in the hands of millions of people because more money in the hands of millions of people would have meant they spent it and that was going to be about raising demand and that right. was going to be the recovery that the nation you know the right. national recovery act that's what president knew that he had to get demand happening yeah and you know the problem is not any different today we need to find ways yep. structurally so that ordinary Americans have more buying power and they get more buying power when they have more earning power. Yeah. So they're more likely to spend it. They're more likely to spend it. And hopefully, you know, we structure it in good ways that people will spend it on education. Yep. Yeah. The smarter workforce always pays off big time for yeah. our country. Yeah. So I, I, here's the point I want to make. I mean, right now we've got a battle going on in Detroit yeah. over the chief executive there who's making 22, I don't know, $21, 22000000 million a year. Mm-hmm. And Minimum wage. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> can we, rage, can we, weigh, can we um, raise it to $21 million a year? <laughs> While I have you here, do you mind pitching that? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, Let's give it a go. <laughs> I, you know, I think I wish, you know, nobody says, you know, if we could, we could turn it around instead of saying raising the minimum wage is the ruin of our economy. There's something ruinous about exorbitant, you know, salaries and compensation packages right. like yeah. that. Yep. Because part of the glue that holds us together as a nation is a sense of like fairness. But also, a sense, you know, there is a sense that you want to be able to be successful and that. Right. But is it that is it really realistic for everyone to think, oh, everyone can be a CEO, or is it more realistic to say to Americans, 
the, what it me- the American dream is really about, if you work hard, play right. by the rules, everybody can live well. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. People are just trying to like live a good quality of life. Right. I think. And I think that's what's insane to me about people who fight against these sort of things, because it's literally saying we don't believe that you should live a good quality of life. Right. Yeah. That's all people want. <laughs> I I remember there was a there was a a moment I had with like part of what I did as I as a teacher I was a teacher for twenty four years as a public school teacher I had a moment uh, a, a period of time where I was teaching mostly kids that were struggling mm. and they were behind and you know I told them the story of my grandfather's immigration here he was very poor he came here in nineteen sixteen at the age of eighteen wow he couldn't buy property because there were alien land laws, which mm-hmm. forbade real property from being owned by uh, Asian immigrants. Asian immigrants couldn't naturalize. There was no pathway for citizenship for them. And they even couldn't marry anyone who they wanted. I mean, uh, there were anti-miscegenation laws, which prohibited marriage between the races. Mm-hmm. And so at a certain point, even marrying my American-born grandmother would have been illegal. Well, it wouldn't have been illegal. What would have happened is that if she married him, she would have lost her citizenship. Her American her citizenship. American citizenship. As, so, so that's actually, crazy. actually, what? you two. Okay, this applied to all women, by the way. Oh, great! Before 1921, they would just take away her citizenship. <laughs> they could. Of course, birth, they could. Birth citizenship was unstable. Birth citizenship was unstable. People don't realize this, but no, no. even so, if you're an American-born woman, regardless of your race, mm. you can be a white woman. You married a German citizen. Guess what citizenship you became? German. 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 You became not. your citizenship st- status was dependent on the citizenship of your husband. You didn't have Ooh. the right to vote in those days prior right. to 1920. Right. Yeah. So, even though the Constitution gave birthright citizenship to people who were born here, it was right. citizenship. That stability of that citizenship depended on your gender. So, for my grandmother, she would have lost her citizenship. That didn't get this resolved until 1931. So anyway, he, he gets enough money by the, in, in the late 1930s to buy some property in Washington State. And they buy property in the name of my grandmother because she was a citizenship. She was a citizen. He wasn't. Uh, five greenhouses where they grow produce, you know, tomatoes and strawberries for the Pikes Market, mm. you know, where they throw the fish. And, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but then they get the World War II, Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. They're put into internment camps. Mm. they can't work their greenhouses and they would lose the property because they couldn't pay taxes on the, the, the you know, they couldn't work the property. That, so they couldn't make money on it. They couldn't make money yeah. on all that. So I tell this story to my kids, you know, and we're all kind of crying together. Literally, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, and it's like, I kind of talk about how hard it was for my grandfather, these yeah. setbacks and all that. And then one of them, I just remember, one of them raised her hand and started to share and she said, she said, well, there was this lady, she immigrated from Mexico, and she basically told us you know, the story about the hardships that she faced. Mm. But she says, now this lady owns a house. And it put it all in perspective to me. It's like a better life for a lot of people is just to own their own home. Right. Mm-hmm. Or to have stability. A stability. Yeah. Like right? st- stability so, should be aspirational. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And to talk about a living wage is something that's going to ruin the economy. I mean, that's absurd. That's absurd. It's absurd. Right? So it's We're like, I'm far from a socialist. I don't, I don't, you know, as, as far as Same. socialists mm-hmm. can mean a lot of things. Yeah. Right. But I, I, I believe in an economy that has rules yep. for competition. Yep. 
And the Fair Labor Standards Act says that we can't lower our standards to inhumane levels, that to live in America means that having a job means you get paid a certain amount. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you're guaranteed that. And you're guaranteed that. Yeah. We expect you to work. Mm-hmm. We expect you to contribute. Yep. Working is part of your contribution to mm-hmm. our economy. In exchange for that, there's you know a whole lot of things you get. Mm. But you know we still want to be a country where other people want to come because life is fair here. We play by the rules. Yeah. There's yeah. a rule of law. There's there, flexibility. There's you a, can become you know. If, there's social mobility. Yeah. yeah. Social mobility, economic mobility. Yep. Is another I think part of our vocabulary is like that's. That's what the American dream is about, is yeah. that social mobility, yeah. that economic mobility, yeah. and the feeling that you also are respected no matter where you come from, you know, what national origin, what religion you practice, yeah. that America is a place where you get a fair shot. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe Amen. it? Preach. Um, all right, I know um, we're going to have to let you go. So oh, I just want to, I know, we're having I so just, much fun. I know, we're going to talk to you for hours. You just, you just wound me up. I know. <laughs> I'm ready to flip the table. Uh, <laughs> I do want to just quickly ask where this bill is at in its progress right now. What can we expect if we're watching for it? Like, where well, it's at in Well, interestingly life? enough, <laughs> I'm trying to get all the progressive Democrats to sign on to the bill. Can we oh, call right? them? Somebody get them. Yes, on the phone. tell them. <laughs> tell them. Tell them it's Lizzie. <laughs> They'll know who, who it is. You know, uh, even some of my progressive Democratic liberal colleagues are yeah. like, you know, you would think no brainer, sign yeah, the right. bill. So get onto the bill. I've got to get a lot of, I, I can't remember on my committee, education and labor, where this bill is at. Mm-hmm. The chairman wants me to get a lot more signatories than I have now. Okay. So before he'll move it out of committee. Right. Because. You know, we got some Democrats that are, you know, a little scared about setting the minimum salaries or the salary threshold too high. You set it too high, people are, they're going to complain. There's all sorts of arguments about. Right. Like a backlash. Uh, the back, yeah. Backlash. I mean, small businesses. And, yeah. we, and there's, there's, there's some provisions for carve outs for small businesses mm-hmm. in this legislation. But, you know, my argument is that, as I said, it's not enough to just have minimum wage laws. Mm-hmm. They really are linked inextricably yeah. to adequate thresholds for overtime pay. Yeah. So you need strong overtime pay thresholds to protect salaried workers from, from, from you, you need to protect workers from the trick of saying, okay, you're no longer a wage earner, you're now a salaried worker. And because you're a salaried worker, you work overtime, you, 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 you work overtime for no pay. Right. Right. So that's why it's a, it's, they come together. They work hand in hand. Yep. So where it stands now is I need 40 or 50, Ballpark, 40 or 50. Members, members of Congress to actually co-sign the bill. Great. Oh, well. So that's where it is. Great. We're going to get the 40 or 50. Yes, we are. That's what we're going to do. We're <laughs> yes, going to make we some calls. Producer Kate, get me, give me a phone. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is that uh, John Oliver w- would do that with his audience. You know, it would be would, like, call, yeah. He yeah. would say, you know, there was a whole thing about, I can't use the word on, on well, podcast is not under the FCC. You can say whatever you want, but, oh, Congressman. But, <laughs> we can say whatever we want. <laughs> but go check out the scene, Chicken Effers. Oh, sure. Oh. Joyce says yes. Chicken Effers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's funny, my colleague Marcy Captor is like the star of that. 
That's her is hometown she, is your, your congresswoman? She's my she's, hometown congressperson. We're a big okay. fan of My first Marcy. political you, experience was in her district office in Toledo. Okay, it's so funny because <laughs> I, I got to the floor of the house. That was a fantastic thing. You were on John Oliver last night. And I said, uh, you've got to put that on your YouTube or not on your, on your Facebook page. And, you know, you were the star. You were the hero for all these small farmers that were being cheated out by the big guys because of an appropriations language, which, you know, doesn't protect their freedom of speech. Right. And... And she goes, oh, I heard they use bad language. But what John Oliver did is he says, what's wrong with these people? They must like the, you know what, the chickens. <laughs> and get on the phone and tell your congressman yeah. and congresswoman. That's yeah. so great. Well, we will tell our listeners right now, if this is something that you feel is important to you, which I think it probably Support is. Support the Mark Takano Overtime Payout. Great. Thank we you. love it. Thank oh you. Oh my gosh, this is such a great thing to end so on. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It, this Thank has you. been so much fun to talk Thank about you. fair labor. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. Listeners, we love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.